Mm, gets me going. So anyways, so here's the thing is today we're going to be talking about how this changes everything, how Easter changes everything. So here's the question I want to start off with though. What in your life has changed everything? What is it? Some of us, it's going to say, well, you know, when I had kids, it changed everything. Yeah, I, yeah, that's a lot of us. Like, we had kids, it changed everything, you know. All of a sudden, all of our, our budget focused from everything to them. And some of us will say a job. Some of us will say, hey, an accident. Some of us will even say marriage. marriage. Okay, yeah, marriage. That changed everything. Here's the, the great thing I love about all these things is they can change everything about what we see and about how we feel, but they cannot change eternity. And so when we think about Easter, isn't that the whole thing? Is that Easter changed everything, not only for us here on earth, but it changed it for eternity. Because all of a sudden, it gave us a chance to change where we'll spend eternity. And that's where I think we, in Easter, we, we, you know, we love to celebrate, you know, it's a great time, but we really have to grasp the concept that it did change everything. And so today we're just going to take a few things, we're going to take the, the death on the cross, the burial, and the resurrection, and we're just going to hit one little point on each one. So I may get loud, is that okay? Okay, so here we go. If you want to go and turn in your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 21, Mark Chapter 15, verse 21. Because here's the thing I love about all those situations, and we talk about eternity, and one little tidbit I do want to let you know, is your mom can't get you into heaven. Your dad can't get you into heaven. It doesn't matter if you're at church every Sunday, it's not getting you into heaven. Only Jesus is getting us into heaven. And so if you're with me, with Mark chapter 15, starting in verse 21. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place of Golgotha. Now him, talking about Jesus, which means place of the skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him, and the inscription of the charge against him read, King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by deriled him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha! You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priest with the scribes mocked him, one to another, saying, He saved others, but he cannot save himself. Look, Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing this Behold, he's calling Elijah, and someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. And then saying, wait, let us see if Elijah will come and take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry, and he breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the centurion who was stood facing him saw this 
breathed his last and said, Truly, this is the Son of Man. Truly, this is the Son of Man. And so we have to look at the death on the cross. And we know that death on the crucifixion, death by crucifixion was a horrible and a painful death. Here's Jesus, the Son of Man, who was sinless and who was blameless, on this cross, dying a criminal's death for you and me. There's two things of this verse I want us to kind of look at. One says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's interesting this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because for the first time ever, for the first time ever, Jesus felt the separation from the Father. The Father at this time, scholars say, turned his back to Jesus. That Jesus no longer felt the connection with him and the Father. The first time ever. His heart was breaking, his flesh being ripped apart by hanging on the cross for us. And the closeness that he felt with the Father was now distant. And all the wrath of all the sin was being poured out on His body. And there's Jesus, the Son of God, perfect and blameless, taking what we deserved. And so we look at this and we think, well, Jesus felt this distance between the Father and Him. And He suffered that, right? So we got that. He suffered that. He suffered that. So you and I don't have to feel that. Now here's the thing. I know some of you are like, well, Pastor Jared, that sounds all fine and dandy, and that's all sweet, and you know, that's rainbows and kittens. But I can tell you sometimes in my life, I don't feel that close to God. I don't feel this closeness that you talk about. And that's a possibility. So I'm going to ask this question of you. Is it your actions that make you feel distant from God? Or do you really feel that it's God's actions that make you feel distant? Because here's what happens. Here's what happens. This this thing, this situation happens. Bad news happens. And all of a sudden we say, well, where's God? I feel distant from God. I feel He's not with me. He's not with me, Jared. I mean, I, I just don't feel that closeness with Him. I've prayed to Him. Okay. How was your walk with God 48 hours before this? How was your walk seven days before this? What was your conversations with God like a week before this, two weeks, a month before this? I can tell you this. In my life, whenever I feel like God is distant, it's never God that moved. It's me that moved. And I can tell you this. If I'm honest and I'm transparent with you guys, those times when I've had that moment where I'm saying, you know, I just don't feel close to God, And my wife has challenged me and said, well, how's your prayer life been? It's lacked. Here's the thing is, Jesus is still waiting at the cross for some of us. He's still there waiting. And we're over here on our path and we're saying, I don't feel close to you. And all the while he's saying, "I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting. I have never moved. And why has He never moved? Because He loves us. See, we understand in our world that when people hurt us sometimes, we go, I have nothing to do with them. I don't want anything to do with them. But we're not Jesus. And He hasn't moved. 
And so when we think of the, the cross, we think of the death, it changed everything. It changed everything because our sin was being paid for. And you think like, okay, yeah, yeah, absolutely, I understand that. So now we go to the second part of the curtain being torn in half. Now, some of us in here, you're like, Jared, I could tear a curtain in half. I could tear a curtain. You go get me a, you go get me a, a curtain from the Dollar Tree. I'm going to tear that thing in half. You're right, possibly from the Dollar Tree, but if I went to Walmart, much of us men in here wouldn't be able to tear it apart. That's just fact. But we're not talking about an ordinary curtain, are we? Scholars say that this curtain was between 40 and 60 feet high, between 3 to 4 inches thick. We're not talking about a curtain. And here's why this curtain is so important, and this, this is so important for us as Christians to understand, is this curtain was meant to separate the sinful man from the Holy of Holies. It was meant to separate the sinful man from God the Father. Jesus paid the price. He felt what it felt like to be separated from the Father so we wouldn't have to be. Now we have to understand that before this, the chief priest was the only one that got to go into the Holy of Holies. And you think, well, that, 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 must, be, that must be nice. Except before you went into the Holy of Holies, they would tie a rope around your ankle because if you had sin in your life and you went into the Holy of Holies, you went into the presence of God, you dropped dead. And then they would drag you out by your ankle in this rope. And some of you are like, what? I don't know if that fits into my little Jesus is a nice little person and God you know, loves me. I don't know if that fits. But it's true. Because at the time, sin could not be in the presence of God. It cannot be in the presence of God. But Jesus said, hey, 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 listen. I'm going to feel the separation. And I'm going to die on the Christ. I'm going to pay that price. And when I pay that price, you have access to the Father. See, it's not like you have to come to me or, or, or Pastor Steve or Pastor Jared and, or Jared and say, hey, uh, I have this thing in my life. I need to repent. For no, 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 no. You have access to the Father because of the cross. We think that changed everything. From that moment forward, all of eternity changed. And here's the crazy thing. I love this. The crazy thing is it changed because of us. That is the crazy, awesome part about the cross. Is it changed eternity for us. And one thing I've heard this, this Easter season over and over, and I love it, it says, the nails didn't keep Jesus to the cross. It was his love for us that kept him on that cross. And I read that and I thought, man, how true is that? How true is that? So the second thing we're going to go to is... The burial. Now we understand that, that Jesus had to die on the cross. Amen? Like He had to die on the cross for us to have a chance at eternal life. And so now you say, okay, well now we go from the, the crucifixion, then now we go to the burial of Jesus. If you want to go ahead and uh, turn in your Bibles to John 19, we're going to start in verse 38. So see, we, Jesus had to, to die on the cross, and not only that, but then Jesus had to be buried. He had to be buried. So John, in the 19th chapter, starting in verse 38, 
says this, After these things, Joseph, who is a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus, also who earlier come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with spices as the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. In the garden, a new tomb in which no one had been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. We're going to look at how Luke says it. Luke 23. Flip over a little bit. Luke 23. Verse 50. Luke recounts it like this. Now there was a man named Joseph, and he was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, who had not consented to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in the linen shroud, and laid him in the tomb, cut in stone, where no one had been laid yet. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how the body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath they rested according to his commandment. And so we see this burial, and a lot of you are like, okay, I, I'm still not quite getting this whole, it changed everything. Like, I understand the cross, but now we're at this burial. How did the burial change everything? And so... And Luke's account, he talks about some women were also with Joseph and Nicodemus. And here's what I want to get across to us today is, this changed everything because this reemphasizes a heart issue. So here you have Joseph and Nicodemus have brought 75 pounds of myrrh and aloe. 75 pounds. Now I don't know how many of you guys carry around 75 pounds of anything, but here they brought 75 pounds to prepare the body of Jesus. 75 pounds in those days were worth about a hundred years worth of wages. So we're not talking about just a little bit of a, you know, hey, we just brought something for Jesus. This is all we had left over. We just grabbed something out of the cabinet. A hundred years worth of wages they brought to prepare the body of Jesus. And then you had the women that followed them. One of the women's being a, a girl named Salome. And they talk about she went and got ointments and spices because she was coming back. So here's what I want us to get, and this, is, this is, goes against almost everything that's ingrained in us, is I don't know about you, but if I seen somebody bringing 75 pounds, 100 years worth of wages to something, I don't know, honestly, if I'd bring anything. Because I'd be too ashamed, I'd be like, I think they got that covered. I don't know if I need to bring anything. But here is the women, and they said, hey, well, we, we see that. We see the 75 pounds. We know how much that's worth, but we're going to go get our spices and ointments ready also. We're going to go get our spices and ointments also. Because here's why. Jesus isn't asking for an amount. He's asking for where your heart's at. And this shows a heart issue. 
This shows a heart issue. And some of you right now, I can, I can guarantee it if I said, hey, you know what? We're going to do something today, and I need volunteers. I need volunteers that are willing to work with anyone from the age of 7th grade to 12th grade. That's what I need. People that are going to help teach and play games and hang out with junior high and high school kids. Most of you would say, not me. That's not me, man. That's not me. And then I'd say, cool. So that's not you either. No, that's not me. Awesome. So I got a thing that you can hang out with, with kindergartners all the way up to 6th grade, and you can hang out and you can teach them and play games. And most of you would go, well, that's not me either. Awesome. So you tell me where you want to be used. And a lot of you would say, well, I really don't have anything special to give. I, I don't have any special skills. I, in fact, I hate kids, and I hate teenagers more. And so those, are, those two are out. So you're like, if you could get me with like, I don't know, like eating the food or test, test tasting the food, I could do that. We, we, we reject ourselves and what we tend to do, we tend to minimize ourselves and what God has given us and what God has blessed us. We minimize it because we look over here and we see the 75 pounds. And we go, I have nothing compared to the 75 pounds. And God's going, oh, I'm not asking you for 75 pounds. I'm asking you to give what your heart tells you to give. Because you're saying, can, hey, uh, real quick, this is the audience participation. I say hi, you say hi. 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 I'll, amen, we got greeters. <laughs> Bam! Look, you're all like, man, he tricked us. I knew I shouldn't have said hi. And there's that one person right now going, <laughs> I didn't say hi. <laughs> but that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, TJ's like, that was me, that was me. No, look, Ethan, I see you right there. Right there's the, the connection right there. But that's the thing, is if you can say hi, if you can talk to people, guess what? God can use you. But it's not about that. It's about where's your heart at? Where's your heart at? And that's why this changes everything. It's showing that, hey, it doesn't matter what, what this person over here brings. It doesn't matter what that is. But what are you bringing to the cross? Where's your heart at at the cross? And, and we, we gotta get that. We gotta get that and we gotta understand that and we gotta live that. It doesn't matter what's over here. It just matters where's your heart at in relation to Jesus. And once we get that, doors tend to fly open. And then we get scared, and then we're like, I don't know if I want to walk through that door. And Jesus is like, Come on, come on through. It's nice over here. And so we have to understand that. Jesus had to die on the cross for our sins. He had to pay that price. The burial shows a heart condition of Jesus going, hey, you know, here it is. They brought the 75, but the, but the women were like, I'm just bringing what I got. I'm just bringing what I got. Here's the other thing we don't think about the women. is I don't know if you guys know this. Some of you may not know this. and may be your first time listening to me, so I'm going to let you in on a life secret. Everybody loves life secrets, Cody. Everybody loves these. When they were going to go with their spices and ointments to Jesus, there was this thing called a boulder in their way. Now, I, I don't know if that's ever happened to you in life, but there's something that stands in your way. But guess what the ladies were doing? They're like, you know, we're going to Jesus and we're going to figure out a way to move this boulder. So if you would, go ahead. Mark 16. Mark chapter 16, we'll start in verse 1. 
Because I love that the ladies know that this boulder is ahead. They know that they're going to have an issue, but they, they, they're not worried about the boulder, though, because their eyes are focused on, oh, we're getting good at this now. I like it. I like it. Who's, who are they focused on? That's right. So Mark 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, and yes, I did, uh, I've, I've Googled her name several times to figure out how to say it, so that is correct, in case you guys wanted. Brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. Talking about Jesus. And the very early on the first day of the week when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large, and entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in all white. And they were alarmed, and he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. So here's the thing. The resurrection should be our victory cry. Some of us got that. Okay, Okay, we'll get it here in a second. So the resurrection should be our victory cry because this shows Jesus is exactly who he said he was. And so we look at all the promises that Jesus said, and now we know, guess what? They're coming true. There is life after death because of him. And so we look, the resurrection is the thing that says, you know what? He's exactly who he said he was. He's exactly who he said he was. And he talked about his body being broken and his blood being spilled for us because of the resurrection. We know that that is true. And here's the thing I love. I love, I love, I love. They say, the the angel tells them, hey, go tell his disciples and Peter. Here's why that's important for us. Most of us know the story of Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times. That's after Peter got into an argument with Jesus about this whole denial thing, basically saying, Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. You're a liar. I would never do that to you. And then he's like, whoops, I did do that to you. That's my bad. And so he's feeling heartbroken. He's feeling down. And the angel says, tell his disciples and Peter. We're going to do, we're going to do, you guys like being transparent? Me too. How many of you are sinful people? Sweet, I'm in good company. That's Peter, right? That's good news for us. That's great news for us. Because what the angel is saying is, hey, go tell the disciples, and even Peter, even Peter who denied Jesus three times, you go tell him that Jesus is back. You go tell him that Jesus is back. Here's the, here's the great thing. Here's the, the women that are in the tomb. The disciples are all at home. They're kind of like, ah, I don't even know what happened. Like, I know Jesus told me he was coming back, but I don't even really remember. Is that going to happen? They, they were kind of off on their own, but the women were like, hey, you know, we're going. And I love the angel says, he's going to meet you in Galilee like he told you. Again, reaffirming, hey, everything that Jesus said is truth. Everything he said was true. It's either come true or it's coming true. And for us 
as Christians in the body of Christ that believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, that is a huge, huge promise talking about life after death. Life after death. The resurrection changed everything. Because all of a sudden, it went from, here's Jesus, died on the cross, at, and, we, and, and the people, you know, we believe that he was the Messiah, we believe he was the Son of God, and then he's buried. And then his closest friends were like, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go kick it at the house because I don't even know what to do now. And Jesus said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've come back because I defeated death. That's why when the praise band sings, death was arrested. Like to me, man, that is a, that's an anthem of my heart that I can sit there and I can sing at the top of my lungs because death was arrested that day. Jesus overcame death. So here's the thing. I just wrote this down. I highlighted it in my little notes so I wouldn't forget. Death is not final, but there's life with Jesus for eternity. A tomb could not hold him, a rock could not stop him, and death could not slow him down. But why? Because of you and me. Because of you and me. Are we, are we excited about that? Like, that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. If we look at the whole story of the gospel, it's all because of you and me. If Jesus wanted to, he could have just been like, God, let's go. And God would be like, but no, God loved us so much that he said, sorry, son. When Jesus is like, is there any other way, God, you can take this cup from me? Take it, but if not, it's mine. God's saying, son, I love you. But I love them too. And in order for them to feel the closeness and have a chance at eternal life, I'm sorry, son. You have to go and die. You have to die on that cross. And when you're on that cross, I'm going to turn my back on you and I'm going to pour out the wrath of all of sin upon you. And it's for them. And Jesus gladly got up and he walked towards that cross. And I know some of you are like, you know, Pastor, that's all fine and dandy. And I've heard this, I've heard this Easter message before. And you're right. I'm sure plenty of you have. Some of you can probably quote the scripture better than me. But here's the, here's the thing that most people aren't going to tell you, but I'm going to tell you. See, today, you're going to get up and here in a second, uh, Jared and the Praise Band are going to come up and they're going to play and then we're going to have a short little, just a little bloop video. You guys got to watch it. It's awesome. I love it. gave me little goosebumps, whatever you want to call them. But here's the thing. Listen up. When you leave today, when you walk out that door, there's going to be one person that's waiting for you. And that's the enemy himself. And he's going to be there and he's going to remind you of everything that you've ever done. And he's going to whisper lies like this. It doesn't matter. You're too messed up to be forgiven. You're too messed up to be forgiven. You're not loved. Your family doesn't like you. Your friends hate you. He's going to spew venom and lies into your ear. Because you're going to say, well, no, no that, that, that pastor guy said that, you know, that Jesus died on the cross for me. And he's going to say, <laughs> that's a good one. If they love you so much, why don't you go around, turn right back around and go in there and tell everybody your sins then. Let's see how forgiving you really are. He's going to whisper lies that go to death. So get this. I want, I want everybody to understand this. Here's what I want. 
is when those, when those lies start being whispered in, I want you to look up. I want you to hold your head up high because you are a son of the daughter or of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I want you to be look up. I want you to be proud of who you are. And when the, when the enemies that are whispering lies, I want you to think in your mind, think in your mind, in the book of John, 1930, when Jesus is sitting there on the cross, he said, it is finished! Because it's finished! For you and for me. That there is no sin that is not forgiven if we repent to Jesus. And that's what you've got to remember. When he's whispering those lies, you say, nah, not today, ugly one. Not today. It is finished because Jesus paid that price and I no longer have to deal with that because Jesus done it for me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, as we come to you this, this Easter season, God, of, of oftentimes, God, we, we get so caught up in the celebrating God that we sometimes we forget truly what it's about it's about your son Jesus changing everything for eternity and some of us here in this room God maybe we know exactly who Jesus is maybe we've followed Jesus since we were a little kid but maybe there's some things in our lives that we're like you know what if, I, if I'm honest there's some things in my life that maybe I need straightened out if that's you I just want to invite you down to the altar to pray or maybe you're sitting there going, you know what, Pastor Man, that, that story of Jesus is kind of cool, and I want to know more about who he really is. Then I want to invite you down to the altar. Or maybe you're sitting there going, you know what, Jared, like, I feel great today. My life, is, my life is good, my heart is good, but you know what, there's somebody in my life that, you know, I need to just pray for. And I invite you to the altar. See, the altar isn't some place that, that people go that, that we look around and go, oh, that person, that person's messed up. Look, they're at the altar. No, the altar is a place where you can say, hey, and this is just between me and the Father. I've been down to the altar for myself. I've been down to the altar for others. I've been down to the altar just to give praise. Now, some of you are like, I'm not going down to that altar. That's fine. Because Jesus can talk to you exactly right where you're at today. And so I just want to lift you up to Him. The one that changed eternity for you and for me. Thank you, Jesus, for being here today. Because we love you. Amen.